This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And a very pleasant good morning, everybody. As always, good to be back with you. This is the Marlins Rewind. And yesterday at Lone Depot Park, we had ourselves a split admission day-night doubleheader between the Marlins and the Rangers. Game one featured Trevor Rogers and the right-hander Glenn Otto. And with a recap, as always, here is Glenn Geffner. It's a doubleheader day for the Marlins and the Rangers here at Lone Depot Park. And game one goes Texas's way. Rangers with two in the seventh, one in the eighth to come from behind and beat the Marlins 3-2. In the second game of the three-game season series, Rangers have won the first two. They took the single game here back on July 21st, 8-0, and prevail here today by the score of 3-2. Early on, the starting pitchers were in complete control of this one. Trevor Rogers for the Marlins. And Glenn Otto for the Texas Rangers. Trevor was terrific. He allowed a two-out single in the first inning. Allowed a two-out walk in the second inning. But then got on a great roll. He would retire the next 11 in a row. And he was just plowing through this Texas Rangers lineup. Until finally, in inning number five, the Marlins gave him some support. He didn't do a whole lot offensively. They got some help from Glenn Otto, but... They were able to push across a couple of runs in that fourth inning. Miguel Rojas led the inning off getting hit by a pitch. Otto then tried to pick Rojas off at first base. He threw the ball off Miggy's back, and the ball went down the right field line. Rojas advanced to second base on the E1. Then Jacob Stallings drew a walk. So the pitcher Otto had hit a man, made a throwing error. Then he issued a walk with Yerar Encarnacion at the plate. Otto uncorked a wild pitch. That put Marlins runners at second and third. Nobody out in the fifth inning. Encarnacion popped up to the second baseman, Semyon, for the first out. But with two in scoring position and one down, a chance for Lewin Diaz. 1-1 to Diaz. Is driven to right center, left center field. Thompson moving over. He is there, makes the catch. Runner tags from third. Rojas coming home. Throws into third base where Stalling slides in safely. So a productive out for Lewin Diaz. A sacrifice fly. And Miami takes a 1-0 lead. For Lewin Diaz's seventh RBI of the season. Marlins had the lead, but they wanted more, and they needed a big hit with two outs. They get it from John Birdie. 1 0 to Birdie is a line drive to left. Going to get down for a base hit. A big two out knock for Birdie. In from third, Stallings, 2 0 Marlins. But that's the end of it offensively for the Marlins in this game and after Trevor Rogers made it through the sixth inning he went out there for the seventh today pitching with a two to nothing lead Rogers had coming into this start his 54th in the big leagues recorded an out in the seventh inning only three previous times in his major league career all last season hadn't got more than six in the game this year and in the seventh today he got the first out Nathaniel Lowe on a fly ball to left, but then Adolis Garcia with a double to right center field. Mark Mathias worked a walk, and so you had two men on with one out. Marlins leading 2-0 in the seventh. The rookie third baseman, Josh Young, in just his fourth major league game, stepped in 
for the Rangers. One to Young is in the air to center field, sending Blade back onto the track and can't get it. He can't get it. It's off the wall. They're going to wave Garcia home. He's going to score, headed to third base, Matthias, and it's a two to one game. Blade was there at the wall, looked catchable, but somehow he didn't pull it in. He had a little bit more room, I think, than J.J. realized and couldn't make the catch. That made it a 2-1 to one game, and that would end Rogers' afternoon. Donnie brought Tommy Nance on with runners at second and third, went out to face the young catcher, Sam Huff. 3-2 to Huff, ground ball left side. Miggy dives, has it. It's going to tie the game, throw to first low, dug out by Lewin. Great play on both ends at short and at first, but in from third, Matthias, and it's 2-2. Nance would then get Josh Smith to line to right, ending the top of the seventh, but the damage was done. It was a 2-2 game. At that point, we could close the book on both starting pitchers. For the Marlins, Trevor Rogers, six and a third, four hits, two runs, walked two, struck out nine, a new season high, within one of equaling his career best in strikeouts in the start. Trevor today threw 89 pitches, 60 strikes. A really good day for Trevor Rogers. For Glenn Otto, six innings, three hits, two runs. Walked two, struck out two. He hit two through a wild pitch. 90 pitches, 57 for strikes. The Rangers went to the bullpen. Jonathan Hernandez with a 1-2-3 bottom of the seventh inning. And in the top of the eighth, Stephen Okert came on for Miami. He got the first two outs. Bubba Thompson, a fly ball to center. Marcus Semien on a strikeout. But then Okert walked Corey Seager. Nathaniel Lowe had an infield hit, putting men at first and second with two down. Adolis Garcia then worked a walk. So in a 2-2 game, the bases were loaded with two outs, and the count went full. Okert to the DH, Mark Mathias. Bases loaded, two down. The 3-2 to Mathias. And it's taken for ball four. Another borderline pitch. John Lipka says ball four. Texas leads it 3-2. Pitchcast thought it might have been strike three, but the Marlins didn't get the call. The bases loaded walk. The third allowed in the inning by Okert. First time this year, he's walked three in an appearance, and that put the Rangers up for the first time today at 3-2. Okert would leave. Jeff Brigham came on. He was able to strike out Josh Young, ending the eighth inning. Marlins against Hernandez had a chance in the bottom of the eighth, down by a run, a leadoff hit by Brian Anderson, but the runner was a race on a Garrett Cooper double play ball. J.J. Blade then singled, and Charles LeBlanc walked. So down by a run, Marlins had two on with two outs in the eighth inning. The lefty, Matt Moore, came out of the bullpen, and he got Miguel Rojas on a really good defensive play at second base by Marcus Semien. The Gold Glove Award winner at second base last year as a Blue Jay, ranged a long way to his right, backhanding the ground ball, and then getting enough on his throw to retire Rojas and send this game to the ninth with the Rangers leading 3-2. Jeff Brigham stayed out there for the ninth inning, a lot of two-out hit to Bubba Thompson, but that was all. So the Marlins were down a run in the last of the ninth inning. Jose Leclerc came on to try to close it out for the Rangers. And pinch hitter Joey Wendell, a fly ball to center to start things off. Gerard Encarnacion struck out swinging, and when Lewin Diaz did the same, the Rangers could celebrate a 3-2 winning game, one of our doubleheader today. For Texas, three runs, six hits, one error, seven left. For the Marlins, two runs, five hits, no errors. They also left seven. The winning pitcher, Jonathan Hernandez, he's two and two. The loser, Stephen Okert, he's five and three. 
Jose Leclerc with his fifth save of the season. Time of the game, three hours on the button as the Rangers win for the second game in a row. They had lost 12 of 13 before they were able to beat the Blue Jays 4 to 1 yesterday. So Texas won back to back games now for the first time since August 24th at Colorado and August 26th at home against the Tigers in the nightcap of the doubleheader. They'll try to make it three straight wins for the first time since August 20th through the 22nd when they took the final three games of a four-game series at Minnesota. With the victory, the Rangers improved to 61-79 and on the season. They're now 32-39 and on the road. Marlins fall to 57-83 and with their 12th loss in 14 games, now 18-43 and beginning July 6th. Miami is now 27-41 and here at Lone Depot Park. It's a winning combination, strikeouts and charity. Marlins are committed to fighting cancer in our community and are once again proud to partner this season with AutoNation to support their Drive Pink Initiative. With every strikeout recorded by Marlins pitcher, $25 will be donated to charities supporting a cure. Today, a total of 12 strikeouts, nine from Trevor Rogers, one from Stephen Oker, two from Jeff Brigham. 12 Ks, $300 from the Marlins to AutoNation's Drive Pink Initiative for the season now, 1,227 strikeouts meaning $30,675 already from the Marlins to AutoNation's Drive Pink initiative. All right, so the Marlins fall in Game 1. Let's hear from Marlins manager Don Mattingly and the left-hander Trevor Rogers after the Game 1 loss. Donnie, just starting with Trevor, it looked like maybe earlier this season he had lost some confidence in his fastball, but it looks like that's back. Just what kind of conviction have you seen from him, just specifically maybe with that fastball on the mound and now being able to use his other pitches because of it? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'd say for, in the, for the most part, um, since he's been back, he's been more consistent. Uh, to me, this by far is probably his best. Like he, the ball looked like it's kind of you seen the fastball that we've seen a couple of years ago that kind of jumped out of his hand that was getting on hitters and a lot of swing and miss with it. So um, this for me by far is his best outing in maybe over a year since the second half of last year. So it's that's good to see. You know, moving forward that him him kind of getting in this rhythm. He looked like he was synced up all day long. Uh, never really, you know, it didn't seem like he ever really lost that. Um, so that that was really encouraging. And I know we, we had talked about, you know, earlier this season, he had mentioned sometimes it had been mechanical, sometimes it had been more mental, just kind of getting into his own head. Do you feel like it's it's kind of the confidence on the mound that's leading to better mechanics, the better mechanics that's leading to the confidence, or maybe those two things are just working together over these last few starts? Well, success breeds the confidence, right? It's hard to be confident when you're walking people and pe- getting hit around and not being able to, you know, balls leaving the ballpark and things like that. So um, the confidence comes with having success. Uh, I think on the other side of that, there's a belief, you know, you got to believe in yourself even when it's going bad. And I think that's where Trevor is ahead of the game from the standpoint. I, I think he always believes that it's there. It's just a matter of getting to it. So you do get shaken a little bit as a young player, even, even older players. Um, but I think he has that belief in himself. Um, but I, I do think the mechanics really is what sets up. You, you can't repeat if your mechanics aren't good. Uh, and that's not even all tell. That's just one piece of the, the equation. So I think the mechanics being good, you feel that like a hitter feels it when he's in sync and he can tell. I think the pitchers are the same. When they get synced up, they're throwing the ball where they want. They see the action on it. They see the result. And, and that just goes to prove, you know, what you're trying to do, and that just confirms things for him. 
Uh, just Oakland in the eighth. You know, even the the pitch that was called a ball, it, it looked like it kind of touched the strike zone. Just that. Yeah. You know, for him, I know that's a, a frustrating moment, uh, but he's been so good, so consistent this season. It, was there anything that looked a little off? Maybe a little bit of bad luck in that eighth. You know, what did you? Yeah. Say? I don't know. You walk three guys, and that's you can't say too much of bad luck. Yeah. Uh, he gets the two quick outs. Everything looks fine. Uh, you walk Seager. Uh, gives up the little ball, you know, on the other side of the shift where it wasn't hit hard enough to really get an out anywhere. Uh, and then the two walks. So, I mean, they didn't really hit anything hard that whole inning. Um, you know, like you said, he has been probably our most consistent guy out there the whole year. It was it was a pretty good, not a good spot for him. It was a tough spot for him uh, going through that part of the order, but he's been up for it. And again, he put himself in good position with the first two outs uh, and just couldn't get that last out. Uh, the ball to center, uh, I think it was the seventh inning, uh, RBI double. What was your read on, on that play? Do you think he had a chance for that one? No, I thought he was there. I mean, you have to talk to JJ exactly what happened, but from my point of view, it looked like he got there, uh, had control what he always does. He's always kind of reaching for that wall. Um, in, in trying to find it, which is the way the outfielder should do it. Um, I, if anything, he maybe just took his eye off on it, eye off of it at the last second. Before, you know, he was going to, he was close to the wall, um, but I felt like he was there. And but you'd have to kind of get his read on it. That's what I see from from my spot. The ground out uh, by Miggy in the eighth that you end up challenging. Obviously, it's late in the ball game. It's worth challenging at that point. But just you know, watching it kind of unfold, did you feel like it was it was pretty close? Uh, like from my view, he's out. Like the ball beating him there for sure. And I think what Miggy saw is the foot off the bag, and it probably was. But it was like it's, we don't have the right, we don't have a good enough camera angle to confirm that because it from where you look at it, you feel like he has to be off that bag, but you can't assume that, right? So, yeah, I, I knew the ball beat him, but you know, Miggy sees it probably pretty good from running that his foot's off the bag there. Um, was or wasn't we couldn't we really couldn't tell so you it's tough to turn it over a pinch pinch running for andy after his hit late in game is that an easy decision just because it's a one-run ball game considering how lot he's kind of been it is it's pretty easy um the guy's fairly you know a guy that we feel like we could run on i know obviously coop hits i think second pitch maybe um but again coop hits that ball down the first baseline and we got to run it's a ball right at the guy for a double play. It's different. So, but yeah, that was that was pretty that was pretty easy for us. Trevor Durant, Donnie said this is maybe the best he's seen you out on the mound in in maybe the past year. Did you feel that way today? Did did this feel the strongest you felt in a while? Oh yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's definitely probably the best I felt all year. Um, just mentality wise, my body felt great. All my pitches were playing. By far, probably the best slider I've thrown all year. So. Just, just for me, being able to put all the pieces together and really go execute my pitches, it, it, it felt good. How important has reestablishing confidence in your fastball been? It's been huge, really. Um, probably throughout this year, I've lost a little bit of confidence in my fastball, and you know that's a place no one ever wants to be. Uh, so it's definitely been huge for me to kind of just regain that confidence and just know that I can plays at the top of the zone I can steal strikes down and um, it, it really just plays in any any count to any hitter so 
really just establishing that again has been has been big for me. I remember we spoke earlier this season and you said, you know, sometimes the struggles were mechanical, sometimes they were just mental, you know, getting in your own head. Do you, do you feel like you kind of come back to a good place overall in these last couple of starts where, where things have been good on the mechanical side, but they've also been better on the mental side of the game too? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, honestly, I think I've been able to adjust quickly mechanically and I think longer mentally because I've never really I've struggled that that bad before so really just to get back to where I was just mentally has been really big for me um, and just really establishing how well I can be when I attack the zone like I know I can. How did, how did you get to that point? Was it something Mel said? Was it maybe talking to someone? Was it those mechanics? Was there a moment where it kind of clicked or turned for you? Yeah, I think it was a moment probably on my rehab outing. Um, it really, I just I told myself just to attack the zone and see what happens and really enjoy the competition part. Um, I think that's been probably the biggest for me. Um, my mind throughout this year just kept going on stuff I couldn't even control and it, I would just get so far away from the competition part that it would hurt me so um I really just every five days just enjoy the competition and whatever happens happens and it's been great for me mentally really so it just keeps it simple um and that's it's, it's honestly been paying off so far was there a moment you thought you might not get back to this <coughs> you doubted maybe that you still had I mean I think there's always a little bit of self-doubt but I think that's part of the growing aspect of this game um, I think it's there, there of course there were times like man am I even good enough to play should I even play anymore and then I would just challenge myself Mike if you don't want to play anymore just quit right now and of course I'm not going to quit so I think it's just I was having a tough stretch and I it's a game baseball is a game you just got to keep playing it um, and make those adjustments when you need to make those adjustments and, and keep moving forward with that being said, how reassuring have the last few weeks for you been to convince you so you know that you belong here? That mm -hmm. I was an all-star last year and I can pitch in the big leagues. Yeah, it's it's huge, you know, really. Um, you know, just knowing how good those hitters are on the other side and that I can compete every single time, every five days, and give my team uh, the chance to win. Um, it's absolutely huge uh, mentally and, and physically for me, for sure. I know Fortes didn't catch him in the game today, but he did talk about he's caught some of your bullpen sessions, and he said, you know, your pens, you, your rhythm's been better, the delivery has been clean, even your misses have been good misses. Do you feel like the things you've been able to focus on in your bullpen sessions, you've been able to carry into the game and stick with? Absolutely. Um, I think I know – how do I put this? I know how I made pitches – miss if that makes sense and I know where to go back to like before if I made a bad pitch I'm like I don't know how that happened but let's keep moving forward so I've, I've gotten to the point in my mechanics where I know what I did to make a bad pitch and how to correct it quicker Trevor with a slider that you, that you mentioned um, it was good and as you mentioned maybe the best you've thrown but you're not using it that much uh, mm -hmm. especially since, since your comeback why is that happening? I think just fastball and changeup has just been really, really good lately. Um, I've gotten a lot of swings and misses, a lot of ground balls. Um, so I really haven't needed to pull it out, really. 
Um, there's been situations, obviously, today where I needed to pull it out just to give the guys a different look, a third pitch. and But really, fastball changeup combo has just been, been really good and paying off. Is it something that you've been realizing in, maybe in the middle of the start? Or was it just part of the game plan or something that maybe you figured out in your outings in, in rehabbing? Yeah, I think it's more of just as the outing goes along. You know, guys are getting up there a second, third time through. They they see the change up. They know how it moves now. They're seeing it with their eyes. They're seeing the spin. So I think that's where the slider comes into play. Just gives them a different different look, different angle of uh, the pitch coming out of my hand. And then seventh, anything different that you're noticing? Uh, just, you know, like they chased you with that hit center and a walk. Uh, I, I think I was just trying to do too much. You know, I was having a really good outing, wanted to finish strong, um, and kind of was just trying to do too much instead of just trying to execute my pitches like I've been doing the whole start. All right, so that was uh, Donnie and Trevor after the game one loss that set the Marlins back to 57 and 83. Game two started promptly at 7 10. Braxton Garrett went opposite of John Gray. And with that recap, here's Glenn. Back at Lone Depot Park, where today the Marlins and Rangers play a pair. Texas takes game one, three, two, but the Marlins bounce back, and the bats come alive in the nightcap. 10-6, the final score, as the Marlins and Rangers go one and one on the day. Braxton Garrett and John Gray made the start here in this ballgame. Both pitchers coming off the injured list today. Both pitchers returning from oblique strains. And after Garrett... Worked the scoreless top of the first. The Marlins got something going against John Gray quickly in the bottom of the first inning. John Birdie let off the game with a ground ball to third base. The Josh Young throw went off the glove of Nathaniel Lowe. It was scored in E3. Birdie stole second, and with one out, he was in scoring position for Joey Wendell. Oh, one to Wendell is a hot smash up the middle of base hit into center. Birdie around third. He's racing toward the plate. Calhoun's throw not in time. The Marlins take a 1-0 lead in the first. So Joey Wendell knocks in his 31st of the season, and the Marlins cash in the error. Yeah, nice job by Wendell. He gets a changeup. And... Braxton Garrett will get on a pretty good roll after allowing a leadoff single to Marcus Semien in the first inning. He struck out the next two men, and when Nathaniel Lowe struck out for the second out, Semien was gunned down by Nick Fortes trying to steal second to strike him out, throw him out, double play. Then a 1-2-3 second and a 1-2-3 third inning for the lefty Garrett. In the fourth, he hit the leadoff man, Semyon. Corey Seager hit a fly ball to left for the first out. Then Nathaniel Lowe worked a walk, so there were two men on with only one out. But Garrett came back. He got Adolis Garcia on a fly ball to center, and he got Jonah Heim to pop to first. He was out of the inning, still with a one nothing lead. Unfortunately, that lead would not survive the top of the fifth, Leading off against Braxton Garrett, the rookie in just his fifth big league game, third baseman, Josh Young. Young, the right-handed batter, smokes one to left. Going back on it, Williams. He'll turn, he'll watch, and Josh Young, the Rangers' number one prospect, has hit his second major league home run to tie this game at one. Well, Garrett would bounce back. You got Colt Calhoun on a comebacker. Leody Tavares then grounded to short. But with two outs, Bubba Thompson, the number nine man, worked a walk. And at that point, Don Mattingly decided to go to the bullpen. Braxton Garrett pulled after 65 pitches, 38 strikes tonight. Remember, he'd only made one rehab start 
He went three and a third innings and 46 pitches last week at Jacksonville. So he wasn't entirely stretched out coming into this one. So with Thompson at first base, Marcus Semien was going to be the batter against Brian Hoeing back from AAA today. And Hoeing with uh, Semien at the plate would see Thompson steal second. So a man at second with two outs in the fifth inning as he went after Marcus Semien. One two to Semien is crushed out toward left center. Long run back, Blade looking up at Alternation Alley, and Marcus Semien's hit one out. A two run homer. It's his 22nd of the season, and the Rangers lead it 3 to 1. So Texas, on the strength of a couple of home runs, was back in front in this one. However, that wouldn't last long. In the bottom of the fifth inning, the Marlins would enjoy one of their most productive innings in a long, long time. If you follow this team, you know all about the offensive struggles. But in this fifth inning, they seem like a distant rumor. J.J. Bleday led off with a walk against reliever A.J. Alexi. He went to second base on an errant pickoff attempt. So man at second, nobody out for Charles LeBlanc. 2-2 to LeBlanc is ripped down the left field line. That's a fair ball, going to go into the corner. Bleday's going to score, and LeBlanc has an RBI double to make it a 3-2 game. Marlins back within run... One run here in the fifth. Well, nice job by LeBlanc. And they were just getting going. Brian De La Cruz worked a walk. Then Alexi uncorked a wild pitch, moving the runners to second and third, still with nobody out. When Luke Williams walked, the bases were loaded. Alexi was done. The Rangers manager, Tony Beasley, brought Brett Martin, a left-hander, to the game to face John Birdie. Martin out of the stretch to the plate, and Birdie shoots one into center field. Tavares over, can't get it. It's down for a hit. That's going to score one. That's going to score two. And the Marlins have the lead back at four to three. Birdie wastes no time at all. A two-run single that sends Williams to third. Next man to the plate, the DH, Brian Anderson. There's a ball lined over second. Base hit Anderson. Williams scores. Birdie to second. And it's 5-3 Miami. What a nice job again. Brian Anderson fighting off some tough curveballs. Well, at that point, six consecutive Marlins had reached base to begin the inning. Joey Wendell grounded out to first base, advancing the runners to second and third for Garrett Cooper. The 2-1 to Cooper is in the air. Well hit, right center. Calhoun back, Tavares back, and that ball is off the wall. Extra bases for Cooper. Two more runs coming home on a double by Coop, and the Marlins have broken it open. It's 7-3. to three. Still not done with Cooper at second base. It was Nick Fortes' turn. 2 to Fortes is shot into right. That's going to fall for a hit. Cooper's going to be waved. The throw comes into second. An RBI single for Fortes. Make it 8-3. Well, J.J. Blade, who began inning with a walk, would bat for the second time. He grounded out. First baseman low to the second baseman, semi, and That got Fortes down to second. And with two outs in the inning, the final big blow in that Miami fifth off the bat of Charles LeBlanc. The 1-1, LeBlanc in the air, right field. Calhoun racing toward the alley, not going to get it. It's going to hit on the track and roll to the wall. Fortes in to score. Charles LeBlanc with his second RBI double in this inning, and it's 9-3. This is fun. We should have tried this earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hitting's contagious. Another pitch on the outside part of the plate, and... It was indeed fun. Finally, the fun would end. Brian De La Cruz lining to center. The Marlins sent 12 to the plate in the bottom of the fifth. Eight runs, six hits, three walks, a wild pitch, an error. And when it was all said and done, Miami had opened up a 9-3 lead in this ball game. 
Now, the question was, could the Marlins get over the hump and score a 10th run? They had gone into this one 80 consecutive games without scoring 10 runs, the longest streak in all of Major League Baseball in 2022, and the third longest streak in club history. Marlins would answer that question in the sixth inning with one out, and Martin still on the mound. John Birdie walked. He stole second, his second stolen base in the ball game. So Birdie, who had stolen four bases since July 14th with two tonight, numbers 33 and 34 to extend his major league lead. Brian Anderson then a single put men at the corners. Joey Wendell struck out. That was the second out of the inning. At that point, Tony Beasley brought Jesus Tinoco on to face Garrett Cooper. Looking to split this twin bill. The 0-2 pitch is a ground ball sharply hit and right through the legs of the third baseman, Young. In from third, Birdie. It's 10-3 Marlins for the first time since June 14th. The Marlins are in double digits. They end a string of 80 consecutive games without scoring as many as 10 runs. It was the third longest streak in club history. And it took an error to get that 10th run. It looked like Young. So 10-3 Miami into the top of the seventh inning. Holing stayed out there, and he allowed an RBI triple to Marcus Semien. Then a two-run home run to Corey Seager. All of a sudden, the 10-3 lead was cut to 10-6 when Nathaniel Lowe walked and Adolis Garcia doubled. The Rangers had men at second and third with two outs. At that point, Hoeing was pulled after two innings of relief. Waskar Brazabon came on. He was able to strike out Jonah Heim and got this game into the eighth inning. Marlins up 10-6. Tanner Scott in the eighth, three strikeouts. He allowed a two-out hit to Leody Tavares. That was it, though. He struck out. Josh Young, he struck out pinch hitter Mark Mathias. And with the man at first and two down, he was able to strike out Bubba Thompson. That got us to the ninth inning. Marlins leading the Rangers 10-6 to tonight. Dylan Floro didn't have a save in it with the four-run lead, but wanted to slam the door, and he did just that. Marcus Semien, a ground ball to third for the first out. Corey Seager, a fly ball to left route number two. The Rangers down to their final opportunity. Down by four, Nathaniel Lowe, the batter. Floro, the wind. The 2-2, and Lowe swings and misses. The Marlins win it 10-6. So a long day of baseball comes to a close. Nine hours, seven minutes after began. We play two today in Miami. The Rangers take game one, 3-2. But Nelly, a nice bounce back for the Marlins in the nightcap. For the Marlins tonight, 10 runs, nine hits, no errors, five men left. For the Rangers, six runs, eight hits, three errors. They strand six. Miami went 8 for 16 with runners in scoring position in this game. Marlins started the day 29th out of the 30 major league teams in average with men in scoring position, but they went 8 for 16 in this game and 10 out of 23 in the twin bill. Brian Hoeing, two innings out of the bullpen, gave up five hits and four runs, walked two, struck out two, allowed a couple of home runs. The line may be not pretty, but his first major league win is. He's 1-1. One one. A.J. Alexi takes the loss. He's also 1-1. One Time of the ball game, three hours, nine minutes. As the Marlins take care of business, earn the doubleheader split against the Rangers, 10-6, the final score. For Miami, win number three in the last 15 games. The Marlins improved to 58-83 and 83 on the season. Now 28-41 and 41 here at Lone Depot Park. As for the Rangers, they had won back-to-back games after losing 12 of 13. So their 13th loss in 16 games. Texas falls to 61-80 and 80 on the season. The Rangers are 32 and 40 on the road. Miami finishes one and two against Texas this season. And with this game, the Marlins close out their interleague slate for 2022. Marlins end up eight and 12 against the American League facing the West 
and also Tampa Bay, the Marlins' natural rival. That 8-12 record includes a 2-1 mark against the Astros, who are going to win the American League West, a 2-1 mark against the Mariners, who seem likely to be an American League wildcard team. Marlins went 2-1 against Oakland, 1-3 against the Angels. They went 1-2 against the Rangers, and 0-4 against their interstate rivals, the Tampa Bay Rays. So 10-6 the final. The Marlins split the doubleheader with the Rangers after dropping game one by the final of 3-2. This season, the Marlins and Nation are again teaming up to strike out cancer. Every time Marlins pitcher strikes out an opponent, Marlins pledge $25 to Nation's dropping initiative. Together, we can win on and off the field. And after Marlins pitchers struck out nine in game one, they struck out 11 here in the nightcaps. So that's Another $275 from the Marlins Daughter Nation's Drive Pick Initiative for the season now. 1,238 strikeouts, $30,950 from the Marlins Daughter Nation's Drive Pink Initiative. All right, so a game one loss followed by a game two win. The Marlins with their 58th victory of the season. Let's hear from Donnie after the game two victory. Uh, well, Don, just uh, starting out with that fifth inning, you know, scoring eight runs. Just what do you feel made the biggest difference tonight offensively, especially coming up with some big runners in scoring position? No, I mean, that's it. It wasn't like <clears throat> they were all well hit, too. I mean, it seemed like every ball was hit good in a gap, and it seemed like Burke got it going, and, and everybody just kind of followed suit, and it was, you know, much needed. We were hoping, hoping to get through that game with Brian, weren't able to do it and save some some meetings out there, but uh, I had to do what you have to do at some point. Guys, um, I think getting themselves into a lot of good counts as well. Did you see a more aggressive approach, especially when uh, when hitters had good counts? I don't think anything really. You know, I don't think we're changing a whole lot. You know, I think it just happened. You know, it it went good for us today, and guys had good at bats. Obviously, it's a long day for everyone, both sides, but guys are hanging in there and. You know, again, just fighting. Uh, Charles is at that first at bat, the nine pitches, the double to get to the double foul ball, four strangers. For to see that one from him, and then obviously come back, gets another double in the same inning. Just to see the maturity of that play appearance, and then it trickled down after him. Yeah, I think Charles is, has showed us that he's got a pretty good idea with what he wants to do up there. Um, and he did a really nice job there, like you said, fouling off balls and hitting the ball in the corner. Uh, got it rolling, and then from there, the, the guys just went crazy. And Braxton, encouraged by what you saw in his return from the IL? No, really good. Yeah, Brax was good. Um, he might have got a little tired there uh, towards the end, start missing his spots a little bit. But in general, Brax was really good. Changes the speeds, doing what, what he does. What's sort of the plan moving forward? There's, I guess, six starters now on you know, the active roster. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a plan. Uh, obviously, we haven't done anything yet, and we've been talking about it, uh, knowing this this day was coming. So we'll, you know, again, we haven't, we haven't finalized anything. Is it a good problem to have though, considering I guess early in the season and there's a bunch of injuries? But, you know, talk so much of the pitching depth, but yeah, it, it is good. You know, obviously our guys are healthy right now, uh, which is a good thing, and and throwing the ball okay. Uh, for the most part, been pretty consistent with our rotation. Um, you know, we have some hiccups here and there, but in general, it's been pretty good. So, yeah, it's, again, we're going to discuss it and, and try to figure out, you know, what is best for everyone, and that's that's our biggest thing. You know, you're you're trying to 
you know, build certain things. You got a lot of guys that don't have a lot of innings. You know, Jesus has lost a bunch of innings this year. Edward started late. He doesn't have many innings. Uh, Brax doesn't have a whole lot of innings. You know, Pablo, we want to keep building to finish the season. So, like, all the things that we're doing, you know, the that's where the decision comes. What's best for all these guys moving forward? With Braxton, uh, you know, this being his first start back since I think it was August 14th, was tonight more about, you know, being cautious with him coming back from the aisle for the first time? Was it, you mentioned him looking a little tired maybe? Was, was it a no, I mean, with with Brax, it's really, and this is all the further he's been built. Mm-hmm. Most he's thrown was three and forty-five, and and we knew he had the double header coming, and we knew this was that was maxed out today. So we really kind of thought about four innings. He ends up going into the fifth. Um, yeah, his limit was like sixty-five, mm-hmm. so we were there. Um, but I think looking at the double header, you know, like, okay, we didn't do a bullpen game, and that just wrecks you. Uh, we know this guy's going to go out and probably give us four innings, right? And we got a little more than that. So then it at least kind of puts the pin in decent order trying to move forward. Um, with uh, the Phillies coming to town tomorrow, uh, do you feel you're in a good spot with the bullpen with the way it's been used? Well, we've tried to use it efficiently. I mean, you have to, you know, you're doing what you have to do to get through games uh we're talking about it right now in there kim's in there right now so we'll, we'll decide you know where it's at mel kind of can not really uh you know, he kind of knows what guys are going to be able to do tomorrow some guys will be down some guys you know that we feel like could give us an inning things like that we'll just figure out the number of innings we have uh and go from there you don't want to leave sandy unprotected right you don't want to go you kind of count on Sandy going on a bad day five, right? But you don't want to leave him unprotected if he hits the ball, if somebody hits the ball off his foot or something, and he's out in the second. You got to be able to play the game. Um, obviously, El Garcia, is there an update on how he's doing? Yeah, he's about the same. You know, he felt that the other day. We're not seeing a lot of progress, honestly. So that's another factor in everything that's going on right now. All right, so that was Marlins manager Don Mattingly after the Marlins Game 2 victory to close out a doubleheader yesterday at Lone Depot Park. Marlins split their double dipper with the Texas Rangers. Right back at it at Lone Depot Park tonight for the first of three against the visiting Philadelphia Phillies at 640. Sandy Alcantara versus Bailey Falter will hit the air at 610 with Marlins on deck. And as always, we hope you find some time to join us on the Marlins Radio Network, driven by AutoNation.